Welcome to The Bucket Problem, episode 29. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are brought to you, as always, by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's been a couple of weeks, so uh, welcome back. Um, Michigan lost to Georgia. Uh, some of us saw that coming a little bit more than others. Um, we we might have talked ourselves into some things, but uh, no, we're... Uh, we're feeling pretty good, all things considered, and ready to um, mostly move past that playoff semifinal and uh, um, acknowledge that Georgia is an extremely good team and now a national champion and generally get to our takeaways from the season and uh, look ahead to other things, including uh, hopefully not a coaching change, which uh, we suspect will not be the case based on the latest insider reports. But, you know, as of Tuesday night, we are still kind of hanging out waiting for Jim Harbaugh to sign a contract. So uh, here we are. Um, I am joined by Alex Cook, Connor Southard, and Dan, a.k.a. Thick Stauskas. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm thinking about how much has changed in the last year where we're like, hey, let's, let's hope Jim Harbaugh doesn't decide to leave this offseason. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as Alex, uh, feeling, feeling pretty good. Um, feeling pretty, uh, I, I was the, for, for a couple of days there when we thought Jim Harbaugh might actually leave, um, which, you know, could still happen, I suppose, but I was feeling like pretty, like, of course, like this, this is entirely my fault specifically, um, for being so mean to him <laughs> online. Well, um, you would have been right. Aidan. It, it would entirely <laughs> be your fault. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and as most things are, um, and just, how, how hilariously wrong we've been, you know, throughout the history of this podcast. And, uh, but yeah, no, overall, uh, feeling pretty good. And yet for as wrong as we are about everything, we are pretty good at picks as we'll get to later. It's <laughs> <laughs> not picks involving Michigan this, this time around. <laughs> like I want to, I want to go on a little bit of a, a mini rant and just say like sports analyst culture, like, let's be real. There aren't that many, like, you know, uh, world-class intellectuals doing um, sports analysis professionally hey. this podcast and all of <laughs> the friends of the podcast excluded of course we found all the smart ones but like there's this idea that people have that that if you're wrong you should just like deny it pretend it didn't happen contort what you said that's ridiculous you look smarter if you say i was wrong and that just proves everyone is wrong and how little we know that's my mini rant yeah i mean nobody's good at predicting sports <laughs> like nobody's actually good at this <laughs> And also, like you have to continue to deliver your uh, future predictions, like with the exact same level of confidence as that you did your old bad predictions. Like, who wants that? You, like, you got to get your takes out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to keep shooting. All right, like shoot right, to get like, hot, shoot been, to stay hot. In the history of this podcasting crew, we've been like just horrifyingly humbled by Michigan State football twice in a row. And we're Does sitting that here stop being us? Like, <laughs> no, like we're not. We're sitting here, like in in February, in January, saying we're not going to do that again. But when October rolls around, you know what we're going to be saying. Oh yeah, dude, they're going to be you know, they're going to be dog shit next year. They're going to suck. <laughs> so we 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 can have a. I'm sure I'm sure that'll be the 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 bulk of our uh, the bulk of our off season discussion will be how bad Michigan State's going to be. Again. There was a way um, too so. early preseason poll, poll with them at number seven. So uh, we're going to have some <laughs> off season material about. Uh, That's oh, yeah. wild. Maybe wildly <laughs> overrated Michigan State. <laughs> and I'm Walker classic, is gone. <laughs> like, yeah. Classic uh, off-season champion Michigan State. 
That kind of is, but like, that's a point I actually want to make is that like the Big Ten is in like a truly perfect situation right now where Michigan won. Everybody's mad about that. Like, you know, we, we're all like, ha ha ha, order has been restored. Everyone's furious. Michigan State and Ohio State, the two teams that thrive on hating us with a desperate passion, both won bowl games that they are now arguing were big games. <laughs> <laughs> and are you know both got their 11th win and so and they get to do this whole would have won thing about the college football playoffs for the entire offseason which is beautiful honestly this is actually as healthy as the big 10 has been in a long time um because there's just like so much that the different teams can lob at each other in the offseason and i think that's wonderful absolutely i mean the the hate's going to flow pretty hard this offseason um I mean, connor I, I i feel like i should just let you keep running with it and just kick it back to you to to start off our big moods of the week which uh we might want to get into our first segment now and so we're only 10 minutes into the podcast yeah so michigan fans were not going to want to hear this like a week ago um but i think people are ready to hear it like as embarrassing as the first half of our game against georgia was and make no mistake that was embarrassing not only was georgia the better team and outplayed us michigan just didn't play very well and i'm not going to go on the list of like individual players who didn't play well because that's mean and they, you know, deserve better on the balance of the whole season than to be called out like that. But it just was not good. And it was about as bad as it could possibly have gone, right? We all know that. And then in the second half, Michigan did narrowly and technically outscore Georgia 8-7. to seven. Not going to gloat too much about that, but, like, you know, I mean, that's something. Like, we played better in the second half. We still got our asses kicked um, by what turned out to be pretty clearly the best team in the country. And I think at this point, it's pretty clear that Michigan is, was the third best team this year, maybe third by, you know, more distance than we'd like, but the third best team. And I want to say this about the Bama game that we all just watched last night. Uh, if you take away that touchdown that was gifted to Bama by the refs, and I mean gifted on just like a staggering act of officiating intervention in the game, um, and we can argue about like the technicality of that rule, but like the, you know, when there's a similar call earlier in the game that goes the other way, like it just it just doesn't make sense to do that. Um, so that was gifted to Bama. Take that away, and Bama loses 33 to 11, which is almost identical to the 34 to 11 <laughs> lost by. And I think we should feel better because like this Georgia team had one fluky blip this year where Bama beat up on them. Other than that, they dominated everyone, including us, including Bama again. And I, I just think like. As Michigan fans, don't sit around lamenting how far we are from being like in true title contention. We are a ways from having a true national championship caliber team, but we're not as far as it seemed to be in the first half when we played Georgia. And it's fundamentally okay to be the third best team. Like you just want to be the number one team someday. And we should all be feeling as good as possible and not dwelling on, you know, one bad half of football. Agreed. Um, Dan, you have a uh, apparently very clear-eyed take. Yeah, no, well, I mean, all of my takes are extremely clear-eyed. I don't get True. emotional, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that I think that you know, I've really never felt like more, um, more like clear. Like I, I don't feel like there's a lot of like wishful thinking in like my my current, uh, you know, um, my current idea of what of what the the program is like. Right? I mean, I think. I think it's it's pretty um, it's pretty evident that Michigan is a step below the elites in college football, and I mean, like it, we all would have taken that to, at the beginning of the season, right? I mean, we were we were talking about how like Michigan might have even fallen down below like the second or third tier to begin the year, so you know it's it's all taken with with that in context. But um, I think that you know there's a pretty clear differ differentiation between 
you know, where Michigan is and where Alabama and Georgia are and, and maybe even where like, you know, whoever the third team might be in a given year are. Um, but they also are at a level where they're, you know, consistently like perennially a top 10 team, top 10 to 15, depending on the year. Um, you know, I guess top five to top 15, depending on the year. Um, and I think that it's, it's pretty clear that, you know, if they, if they just continued at this pace, you know, exactly where they're at right now, um, they'll, they'll probably, you know, continue to do about what they've done. Maybe, maybe beat Ohio state a little bit more regularly. Like they've had a little bit of bad luck against rivals, you know, Michigan state and Ohio state, um, and maybe win the, you know, win the big 10 every, every four or five years, um, instead of every seven years, as has been, you know, the, I guess the trend under Harbaugh thus far, um, and then make the college football playoff every, uh, you know, three or four years when they win the big 10. Um, and then maybe, you know, like in down the road, they will have the type of peak roster year with generational quarterback where they could potentially steal a national title. Um, and, you know, th- there's room for Michigan to advance above that. There's room for them to, you know, improve the recruiting and, and get to the point where they're, they're more perennially competing with Ohio state. Um, but, you know, like, I think like overall, I, I am happy where we're at, you know, I think I'd want to see them start, definitely start beating Michigan state more because that's the one blip on the record that really is annoying is that despite being, I mean, pretty much the better team since Harbaugh got here, they have a losing record versus, you know, their only other rival besides Ohio state, but, you know, put that aside, assume they, you know, ideally start winning that game more um, and start beating Ohio state, maybe a little bit more regularly. Like I would be okay where they're at right now. Um, you know, for as long as Harbaugh wants to stick around, Um you know, there's, there's room to get better, but like, I think that it's important to realize that there's also a lot more, there's a lot of room to get worse, you know? And I think that, you know, <laughs> in the off season, that. right in the off season, like, you know, we talked about like how, like I, we really felt that Harbaugh was not maximizing things and um, that they, they could easily improve over him. And I think that's not, you know, it's, it's, we, we obviously can't say that's the case anymore. You know, I don't think that, I think that staying the course, even if things even if things don't start, you know, breaking like this 2021 season every year is the the smart move. And, um, you know, I think that, I don't know, I, I guess I'm kind of going on longer than I should right now, but I think that it's important to like take into consideration, like how, how much it took to get here. Um, and you know, how, uh, you know, where Michigan's place really is in college football right now. And that it's a pretty good place to be. It's also important to note that, uh, as our, friends slash enemies of flipping the field have uh, taken to saying Nick Saban has to die someday. So, you know, keep that in mind. And so does Bucknut. (laughs) (laughs) You can cut that. Ace. I like, I like that you got his name wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's big. big (laughs) (laughs) big It's even like a more inane name than I was thinking of. And then one of the, um, other one Buckeye guy will come to his funeral uh uninvited and <laughs> sign a big black. See, I, I think I think Buckeye guy. <laughs> We're leaving yeah, all of this in. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Bu- Buckeye guy like puts a, a picture of himself in the map of rest stations across Ohio on his way to and from games, being like, "Hey, Buckeye guy was here." <laughs> I mean, we should we should leave this in. I do want to say that I, I I am actually not wishing for the death of some random, quite sad middle aged man. Um, I hope you live forever, okay. Buckeye guy, whatever your name is. Uh, and I hope the program gets worse. I just wanted to throw that out there. 
Yeah. Um, I think, I think the Buckeye guy's worse than big nut. I think big nut has like, at least has a <laughs> shtick, right? It's a little bit like, um, it's interesting. I think he has like, he owns the fact that he's like bald and fat, um, and you know, looks funny. Uh, but I think Buckeye guys is, is, is the one that makes me way more annoyed. Um, I don't know. This is, this is off the, I feel like if they fought Buck, uh, big nut would win. Yeah. One thing that I think about with big nut is that guy must have a lot of money to be able to sit in the front row of every game. So he can be on TV yeah. in this ridiculous costume. I, I heard he like owns a car dealership or something. We're getting way off track now, which is like, um, but perfect, I think, right? yeah, I think, I think he has some kind of like, he's, he's some kind of in some kind of like do nothing job that he can afford to go to every game. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I'll get my big boot out of the way. We're clearly avoiding actually talking about the Georgia game. Um, uh, any more than we already have, because that's next on our uh, little little note sheet here. But uh, first, my big mood is I feel bizarrely tranquil about the Jim Harbaugh situation. I also wrote that before we got uh, another little like insider nugget about like cars <laughs> uh, that makes it seem like Jim Harbaugh is going to stay. But um, I don't know. It just seems like the program's in a pretty good position where uh, even in in the hopefully unlikely event that Harbaugh leaves uh, they're in a pretty good position and we've gotten to at least experience a very good season, which is something that uh, had not happened to uh, kind of a satisfying completion in a while. So yeah, I don't have much to add beyond what's already been said. And uh, it's, it's been, it's been nice to just like, I'm not really like chasing down like, Twitter accounts where you have to navigate, you know, certain uh, takes um, to find pieces of like vague insider information about what Jim Harbaugh is thinking. Cause I don't know until somebody credible reports him leaving. I, I just am like, it's confirmed. I just don't feel it's very likely. And this feels like a better way to live than like combing the message boards every time for like every time the, the wind shifts a little bit. Um, yeah, and Especially um, since I how am, it seems like it's going to work out. Sorry, Dan. I uh, I am combing the message boards and uh, <laughs> searching down um, like two, twenty sub twenty follower accounts uh, like that are like named like um go blue four four three two seven eight two to find little insider information. Um, and it's it's all looking pretty all all uh, leading towards Harbaugh coming back. It seems like um, the Raiders making the playoffs might have been the final nail in that coffin because they might end up uh, keeping um, their Italian king, who is currently uh, <laughs> doing a great job with that team. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think also, you know, to, to what I said, I think that the program culture is at a point where I would, I would expect them and want them to try to make a continuity play, I think, if, if Harbaugh did end up leaving. Um, I think Gaddis or, you know, someone else on staff would be able to pick that up and you'd at least want to take a swing at, like, keeping what they have going right now um, instead of, you know, starting over with someone else. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of my two cents on it, but I, I'm pretty confident as uh, we release this episode that Harbaugh will be, um, you know, re-signing at Michigan. And we've never been wrong on this podcast. So <laughs> thankfully you can't blame us. Yeah. If, this uh, is we're wrong for the first time ever. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. It's, it's definitely not our fault. 
Uh, on that note, let's get to the overall season feelings because this kind of oh whoa whoa I I feel like I have to uh have to oh, do my sorry. big mood Alex, here. Alex, you have like the mood oh, to surprise man. the Georgia game first. Yeah, you uh you totally forgot about my mood. I I understand the impulse to memory hole the Georgia game. Um, I think I'm that my best. is <laughs> is an important data point for the program. Obviously, um, my big mood. So like. We were all pretty confident heading into the game. A couple of us picked Michigan to win straight up. I think all of us picked Michigan to cover. I know I picked Michigan to cover. I did too. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, Georgia, you know, is getting all this sti- uh, hype as a historically great defense. And if they are actually that, we're going to get squished like a grape. And that's basically what happened. Um, my big mood is watching Jordan Davis and Andrew Vastardis meeting at midfield for the coin toss. Um Andrew Vistardis is a very big man. Michigan's offensive line is very large, but they got thrown around by uh, Jordan Davis and all his friends on the uh, Georgia defense. And going to, to midfield, seeing those two shake hands, and Andrew Vistardis looks tiny compared to Jordan Davis, who is like a massive, massive man who is surprisingly quick for his size. Um, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that, the, the game was over when they walked back to each other's sidelines. Like Georgia, the Bulldogs jumped all over Michigan, um, scored on their first five drives. Uh, game was over in the second quarter. So um, that was my big mood, like watching that happen. You know, New Year's Eve, I have a new TV in my living room. I'm all excited wearing my Michigan jersey. And I'm like, uh-oh, this this could go sideways. And uh Fortunately, it did, you know, still a great season. And I think it would be better for us to focus on that. But um, yeah, thinking back to New Year's Eve and uh, that Georgia game, that is my big mood. I mean, I, you know, at least Alex, you didn't do what I did and make your parents listen to the entirety of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald before the game because it's my boss <laughs> favorite song, <laughs> which is, you know, I, I'm not, I have no regrets about you that. You got into um, it, man. But that is a, <laughs> a, fitting, a fitting metaphor for the uh, game itself. Um, Michigan was the Edmund Fitzgerald and yeah, Georgia was uh 30 foot waves on Lake Superior. <laughs> yes. That is, that's, you know, not bad actually. I, I would say this, which is like, it turns out that the flukiest result of the year. So the Michigan, Michigan state game is number two flukiest result in college football this year. Um, you know, Michigan state did not deserve to win that game. I think we can all agree on that, but the, the flukiest result was freaking Georgia, Alabama, in the SEC title game, because this defense is just so much better than that. Like this defense should never have given up that many points to anyone. And they got their revenge. And like Alex said, like this truly is one of the best college football defenses of my lifetime. Um, Particularly, I just want to say no college team should have linebackers like that. Like that linebacker group is by the Kobe team is absurd. Yeah. And all those guys, like by such a wide margin, the best linebacker group I've ever seen in college by such a wide margin. It's it's really crazy. Yeah, Yeah, that entire front seven is just incredible across the board. I think they were a little bit weaker on the back end, and that's kind of how Alabama did manage to pull that upset. Yeah. Um, But last night, down their top two wide receivers, they didn't really have those kind of threats in the passing game. And, yeah, you're not going to beat that Georgia team if you're running the ball at them. Yeah, I want to say, like, um, I guess I had two things. One, uh, I want to say that the watching the the Orange Bowl, Michigan versus Georgia, um, was like the least I've ever 
cared about a Michigan. Like I did not raise my voice or like get mad one time, like pretty much immediately <laughs> after Georgia went up 14, nothing. I was like, it's been a good year. Like I, I really did not get mad about it at all. Um, it was just so clear that Georgia was on another level, um, especially on defense. Um, and I want to say that watching that title game last night, despite the fact that it was very low scoring in, in the, um, in uh, the, the the first half, I was really having fun watching that Georgia defense and the Alabama defense really um, go at those offenses. I mean, it, it, you guys just said it, but th- those Georgia linebackers are unbelievable. Um, they're they're so fast. It's it's incredible watching someone that big move that quickly and close on the ball that well. Um, and then uh, the fact that they've got Jordan Davis up front eating blocks for them is almost unfair. I mean, that's it, yeah. it is a truly, truly incredible defense. And honestly, like Bryce, I know we all kind of like had our like uh, tips about Bryce Young winning the Heisman. Bryce Young deserves to win the Heisman for somehow putting up 42 points on that defense. I mean, that's unbelievable. I, I agree. And I think also like the thing that, that stands out to me about Georgia's linebackers, like I've Fast linebackers are the norm now for good teams. Michigan's had some extremely fast linebackers like Devin Bush, but like all of their linebackers just destroy blocks constantly. And that's the thing that like makes that defense like strange to watch for me is that like their linebackers are just constantly blowing up whoever's trying to block them and just, you know, destroying whatever the offense is trying to do. And I just, I haven't seen anything like that for a very long time. It's so. And to your and to your point, Dan, about enjoying the game last night, I enjoyed it as well. Um, we've seen a lot of Big Ten type games that you know, if it's nine to six at halftime, it's probably a pretty gross game. But that was an amazing collection of defensive talent on those two teams, and they were playing hard and they were playing really well. Um, yeah, kind of more of a pro style field position, you know, control the line of scrimmage game. But I really enjoyed it too. No, I fully agree. I mean, this was not like watching two impotent offenses just like fart back at fart at each other, like back and forth, you know, between the forties. It really felt like just so many heroic defensive plays had to be made to like pin down what would otherwise be like, you know, long gains. And uh, it was awesome to watch. I, 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 I really wa- liked watching it and I'm not even saying that as like a, um, Oh, I, I, I'm sophisticated because I appreciate defensive football. Um, <laughs> I have, look, I am sophisticated. I do know more about football than you. Um, and that makes me better, but this was not that. <laughs> well, I actually, I, I do want to throw a little bit of a wrench in there and say, I actually had, a, I did have a great time last night watching the national championship game, but I, I was a little bit peeved that like Munkin, the Georgia OC, his game plan for Michigan was just like superb. And one of the most incisive game plans you'll see against, you know, one of the best defenses in the country, which Michigan had this year. Like he just found every weakness and carved Michigan apart um i feel like the game plan against bama in the first half was i i was confused why they had so many long uh dropbacks and what exactly they were trying to do so i was a little bit annoyed by that just because like they had michigan's number and to come out looking once again like they were on their heels against bama was just like causing me to roll my eyes but they did figure it out in the end so yeah, I thought the game planning was like pretty conservative for Georgia against Alabama, which kind of to me speaks that they're a little afraid of them. I think Alabama had Georgia downloaded pretty well. Um, and as for Munkin, who's like not considered a great offensive no. coordinator and how well um, Georgia, I mean, we, we thought that there was a chance that Georgia's defense could really dominate Michigan's offense. I don't think any of us could have expected Georgia's offense dominating Michigan's defense. And it started with a game plan. Um, 
Georgia is not a hurry up, no huddle team, but their sugar huddle caught Michigan um, quite a few times. I think a couple uses of motion to get Michigan's uh, flipping its defensive front um, into a quick snap that got Michigan. And like, I mean, that's not even to talk about the ways that they exploited certain tendencies and, um, you know, really targeted certain weak spots in Michigan's defense with individual matchups. Like, Georgia had better skill position talent than I kind of anticipated heading into that game with um, George Pickens and James Cook. Um, they obviously threw a long touchdown as well. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that was the biggest disappointment for the game for me. And yeah, like Dan said, I wasn't like mad or frustrated because it was just so immediately clear. It's like, okay, well, we'll remember this season for the Ohio state win, the Iowa win, the big Ten championship, the playoff berth, but uh, we're not going to win this game tonight. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, the, the defense getting beaten as soundly by Georgia, that was something that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I think after last night, it's not nearly as painful simply because this Georgia team is, you know, meaningfully better than Bama, um, despite the result from the SEC title game. And they're just the best team in the country by a wide margin and yeah, nothing to feel bad about. Agreed. Um, Let's now let's get to overall season feelings because I don't think now there's much more we can say on the Georgia game because uh, when you get the your lunch eaten in the trenches on both sides of the ball and you don't have markedly better quarterback play and you don't force turnovers you're you're not going to win. Um, but overall, I mean, we've been talking about kind of how this season stacks up in our little group chat, and uh, I mean for me. I've been close. Well, I've been going to Michigan games since 1994. I was but a wee lad uh, back then, but I have a pretty strong memory of the 1997 season and the subsequent seasons. And for me, this one is right up there with, I mean, obviously 1997 stands at the top. And then this one is right up there for me with 2006 and 2016 and you might be able to throw 2003 in there but i think i'd take this one at least in terms of the way it played out um i don't know that's a it's a pretty damn good year given we were uh drafting walk-ons at linebacker in our preseason uh <laughs> roster exercise there um so i don't know i mean for you guys where does this season kind of land in terms of um I mean, Dan, I know your lifetime has been short, but you know, <laughs> how does it stack up? Uh, yeah. I feel like, I feel like every time I do this podcast, it's like I'm 13 years old. Um, I am. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is obviously the best season that I've, you know, closely followed. I mean, technically like there are better seasons. I mean, I, I was born in 1995, so I, you know, technically the 97 season hell. is in my lifetime, but um, I, uh, I think that ultimately, um, this has got to be the best one. Um, I think the second best season is probably 2011, just because they beat Ohio State and had a good bowl win that year. Um, and then <sighs> 20, 20, you 26, were I mean, for 2016. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, though, like, but they beat Ohio State in 2011. You know, I mean, that's that was fair. I mean, it's better, yeah. that I say was fair. Yeah. I mean, they that's and and then they won the Sugar Bowl. Like they went what 11 and 11 and two or yeah 11 and two yeah, um, it's a better um, record that than was, 2016 too 
Yeah. And I mean, like 2016 was a great year. I was, you know, that I was in college for that. And like, that was an awesome, that was by far the best year that I was in college, but um, they also like kind of, it didn't really have that many like iconic moments. I mean, they had the win over Wisconsin, but then everything else was like either a boring game um, or losing an absolute heartbreaker. Um, so it kind Smashing of Penn State was fun. Yo, yeah, Smashing Penn State was great. I had a good time with that. But, I mean, it, it was like that – Penn State wasn't any good when they played them. You know, it was no. like we were expecting to win that game, so it wasn't as – Also, fun. in the context of the previous several years, the way they beat Michigan State on the road was a big deal that year too. Yeah, that was that was fun. But, like, that game also could have been more cathartic, I feel like. You know, I'm, I'm picking nits. It was a great year, but they, like they had a two point return on a meaningless uh, yes. extra point attempt to <laughs> avenge the game we won't talk about. Yes, I thought that absolutely. was pretty cathartic. It, it was cathartic for sure. It was a, it was a great win. Um, but I mean, like it was again, like there were just a lot of like, uh, I guess, yeah, all three losses were like absolute heartbreakers. Um, so it kind of stunk, honestly, <laughs> at true. the end. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, it's, this is the best season by far um, that they've, that they've had since I've been watching. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I can't ask for, I mean, I, I feel like it, it really happened at the right time. You know, I mean, the fact that it's almost like you couldn't write a story like this, the way that Harbaugh needed this to happen um, and got the job done and like really bet on himself. Like just is, you, you can't be happier for Jim Harbaugh um, and this program and uh, I think that it's it's really it was really important year because they've got kind of a pretty favorable schedule next year. And if you can you can use this year to like bank a top five ish class and then have another really strong year next year, like then you're cooking with gas in terms of like really upping the talent to the point where you can like more perennially, you know, compete with Ohio State and maybe make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, no, I was uh, I, yeah the best season in, in my in my like, you know, active memory. I don't um, actually remember the 1997 season, but I do remember the 2003 season. I think that that uh, deserves a call out. That team won the Big Ten, made it to the Rose Bowl. Um, Had a sweet Sports Illustrated cover. Yeah, beat Ohio State in a top five matchup at home, just like this team did. But uh, yeah, 2003 um, is probably better than 2003, to be honest, given like the circumstances of the loss to Michigan state turning around, beating that Ohio state team for the first time in forever, um, destroying Iowa in our first appearance in the big time championship game. That felt great. Uh, and yeah, you know, like 2006, 2016, uh, to a lesser extent, 2018, those are all really good teams that I think are like comparably talented to the 2021 team maybe, but in terms of accomplishments, it's, you know, there's a good case for it as the most accomplished team since 1997. And yeah, it's really great for the um, seniors who stuck around, like the players who remained on that defense that uh, can go out winners, you know, after a rough 2020 season. So it's quite a legacy. And I think people are going to be talking about the uh, 2021 team for many years to come. Yeah. I mean, it's all been said already, but to me, this is fairly clearly the best Michigan team since the 1997 national championship team. Um, I actually think like best on the field, just like best team overall, best balance on both sides of the ball. Also the best special teams unit in the country, which counts for something too. Um, And I think that, yeah, I would put them ahead of 2016 or 2003 or 2011. All of those teams deserve credit for what they did, but um, 
this is this is the best season Michigan's had since 97 pretty clearly um you know you can we can argue about whether we were legitimately in national title contention but it only Ohio State fans and Michigan State fans at this point would probably seriously dispute that we were the third best team this year. And Michigan has Cincinnati fans, I think, team. would uh, would maybe have a word. <laughs> yeah, I and, think and college football honestly. hipsters shout out flipping the field. They yeah, uh, I mean, they should bring back the old runners up game from the Final Four and have Michigan at Cincinnati play an exhibition. I would watch that game with uh, flipping the field. Yeah. Michigan would have, I mean, the, the things that Michigan would have done to uh, that poor Cincinnati quarterback would have been hard to watch, honestly. Um, that would have been, a, that would have been a, a beat down, to be honest. Yeah. If any Cincinnati fans or Patrick Mayhorn hear this, uh, Michigan would beat Cincinnati like 52 to nothing. So Connor makes the harshest um, call outs while also being the only one of us who's not on Twitter. I just want to point that yeah, out. That's, you guys should try not being on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Stop shoving your wisdom in my face. Okay. Uh, but anyway, like just to cap it off, like I, this team, I mean, if you're a Michigan fan and you're like harumphing about anything with this season, I think you need to take a step back. Um, I just realized how special this was and hold this team in your heart forever. Cause they deserve it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we failed to mention that they got a defensive player into the Heisman finalists, uh, which, uh, is something they've now done three times. <laughs> um, I don't think any other school has done that. Um, fact check me if you want, I'd be curious on that. Actually, this is the one time I will not say don't fact check me. I, uh, I didn't look that one up, but, uh, I we do think it. that it bears mentioning that Will Anderson probably deserved an invite to New York as you well. You know, I mean, uh, you know, yes. Um, I'm not going to say that Aiden Hutchinson was necessarily the third best player in the country this year, but he was in the conversation, and that's what it's all about with the Heisman voting. So just to get somebody there is really cool. We got to see, um, you know, not just a great defense, but an all-time season uh, from a player who's going to go down as an all-time player at Michigan. Um, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be, uh, you know, mentioned along with uh, a lot of great defensive ends that have come out of Michigan. Um, and Oh, yeah. I mean, he was one of the best. Shit. Yeah, one of the best individual seasons in Michigan history. I'm going to talk some more shit here. I still think Aiden Hutchinson was the best player in college football this year, even though he had a quiet game against Georgia. Their entire game plan was about making sure he had a quiet game. He still rocks. Yeah. I, I, I'm not quite uh, there with Connor, but I think he, yeah, had, a, he I, had a top top five, top 10 type year in college football. And that's a hell of an here's, accomplishment. Oh my God, you guys. Are you, oh my God. Are you really going to do this now? Dude, you watched the Georgia game with us. I could name two defenders yes, on their team that entire, I think had better years. I mean, Nicobe Dean is the one that I would throw out there as like a Jordan Davis, man. But like the things do we do we need to pull up videos of Michigan offensive linemen like picking themselves up off the ground? Because I'm taking Dean over Davidson all day long, and they're both great players. But like you didn't even get his name right. Hutchinson (laughs) is on a much more imperfect team. Like this defense still was a very imperfect roster, and the things that he did. I don't know. I think you should ask Ohio State fans who they think yeah. uh, the best defensive player. I don't know if you want to hear Ohio State fans answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that um, it's important to understand that like the Heisman is, you know, is a narrative driven award. Right. Um, and uh, Aiden Hutchinson had one of the best stories in college football top and the way that he no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I look, I think he was a top look, he's going to be like the number one or number two 
pick or a top three pick at the very least in the NFL draft. So NFL GM certainly believe that he's one of the three best players in college football. So I'll say that much. Um, and I'll say that, uh, you know, I think that like in terms of it, whether you look at it as an MVP or like uh, a, I tend to look at it as first of all, kind of a dumb award, right? Because like, it's, it's mostly sports writers that generally like don't know what they're talking about. They get to vote on it, but put that aside. I tend to look at it as, as like, your Heisman winners should be guys that you can't tell the story of college football without, right? When you go down, like the, when you go through every year, like it should be, it should be the most iconic and best player of that year. I think there are guys like, like Jason White. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I don't Sorry. know who that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, uh, but I think that, I think Aiden Hutchinson is one of those guys. I think like the way that he captured like kind of the heart of college football, like in, in what he was saying, you know, the way he came back to the team and the way he led the team and showed up big in the Ohio state game and had like so many iconic moments. I think that, uh, I think he de- deserved to be in New York. And um, even if he wasn't like technically like didn't have the best, like PFF score of like any defender, in but the he country. did, uh, <laughs> he didn't have the best. Yeah, but PFF he did. Score. Exactly. <laughs> like and so I mean, <sighs> Will Anderson yeah, should have won the Heisman. Will Anderson should have won the Heisman. That's my take. No, a- absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's absurd. I, I honestly, like, I can't believe you guys are reverting to like pre 2021 Michigan fan thing where you're taking the most dominant player of the, in the country was on our team. And he had like one kind of quiet game because the whole game plan was to make sure he had a quiet game. And now you guys are, are saying that this guy who the NFL <laughs> thinks is better than these other guys you're talking about is not as good. Come on guys. I mean, up. no, I agree. My I agree with Connor. I don't we, know. We've talked like, about I don't want to get into a whole long <laughs> thing, but like, we don't know what NFL GMs think yet because we're just getting mock drafts and those change. Um, but, and also like I watched the playoff. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, we, we shouldn't have that be the end of the discussion about like our overall season feelings, because I agree. we went, we for, we went from a, uh, you know, a brutal 2020 where Michigan went two and four and, uh, while Michigan would have won, we were all relieved that those games got canceled anyway. Um, and now we are at, uh, discussing whether Michigan had the best player in the country and whether he'll be drafted number one and uh, how far away they are from being uh, potential national champions. So that, I think, is pretty cool. I agree. I think it's nice. I think it's good that, I think it's good that we were wrong about everything. Um, incredible year, all that. I mean, you know, it's it really like this. I think that if we live in a universe where Michigan returns to national, you know, true national prominence um, and maybe wins, you know, a national title or two, you know, I think that this is what you'll look back on as like the turning point. Right. So, um, you know, you got to just enjoy it for what it was. It was an awesome season. I think what we could all agree on is that if Dax Hill had been able to fully participate in, pa- in practices um, before the playoff, Michigan would have won the national championship. So <laughs> I, I think we're still in would have one mode here and we can take that away uh, in our hearts. 100%. Um, we are as always brought to you by home field apparel. Uh, I don't have a good segue today. Um, Although I will say that they have uh, extended a, a like a very R. Connor specific fig leaf um, by releasing both Montana and Montana State gear uh, within the past week. Uh, so if you are interested in either of those or uh, DePaul, which they launched recently, I believe they put out a Cincinnati shirt. Um, if you are a fan of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs, they put out a shirt commemorating that. 
Um, and if you want 15% off of any of those, if it's your first order from Homefield using the email address that you are using, uh, use promo code PocketProblem at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we are getting into favorite season moments, which um, I think we almost went out of our way to avoid the Ohio State game for a moment, although I see Connor has uh, kind of gone back in and rectified that a little bit. Um, We'll definitely get some honorable mentions in here. Um, But uh, I guess I'll go in in, in order of uh, when these happen during the season. So, uh, Dan, your, your moment falls first. Let's start with you. Yeah. So like Ace said, I think, you know, if we all really got to pick our favorite moment, I think we'd all probably pick like the same one. So I'll probably, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to like, you know, differentiate a little bit. Um, I really like the, uh, I really like the Washington night game and specifically that first play um, where they caused a, a false start on the first play of the game. Um, but that was a, I thought it was a really awesome like moment. You know, I, I kind of felt like this certainly leading into the season, uh, one of the least excitements I've felt about a season, we really all kind of were like, I don't know, not dreading it. Cause you always look forward to football, but I think the, the expectations were certainly dreading it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, expectations certainly low. Um, and that second game was like a really awesome, like to see the, the students and like the fan base come out like that hard for a team that we didn't know was any good yet. You know, um, like, to, to see them come out that hard and uh, be that loud, which I, we don't really, if we're being honest, don't see, you know, the big house get that loud that often um, and really impact a team like that was really awesome. And it was cool to see that the fan base like remained behind the team, despite, you know, what had been, you know, a, an awful year, obviously we don't have to talk about it again. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a really cool moment. I thought it was like the first moment that I felt like, okay, yeah, like maybe this team, you know, maybe this team actually like is different and that they, you know, could, uh, they could really, you know, get it done. I don't know. That was, that was the first like glimmer of hope I allowed myself to feel. Missed a golden opportunity to say they were built different. Alex, I believe you're up next unless I have my game slipped around. Nope. Your games are right. Yeah. The, uh, the Washington game was a lot of fun. Um, wasn't the end of COVID obviously, but the end of COVID restrictions on college football, at least for that evening. And yeah, that was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, favorite moments, obviously beating Ohio state, um, and beating Iowa, but I wanted to call out one moment that wound up being pretty pivotal in the grand scheme of the season. Um, and that was the Taylor Martinez fumble that swung the Nebraska game back in October. Uh, you know, at that point in the season, Michigan hadn't played Michigan state, um, you know, still, you know, Ohio state was still a ways away and, uh, you know, had, it was a little closer than it should have been against Rutgers. It was probably a little closer than it should have been against Nebraska, but, um, but that's Nebraska, but that's Nebraska and Nebraska is a choose your own adventure book about how to lose games in just utterly brutal fashion. And, um, you know, I was at that game. I'd, I'd flown out to Lincoln for the game. Um, was watching it and that fumble, which I think it was a fumble. I think his forward progress hadn't been stopped, but you know, if the ref would have blown his whistle, maybe it's not a fumble. Um, maybe the game goes differently. If you recall at the time, the game was tied at 29, that fumble put Michigan in field goal range and Michigan wound up getting a stop on the subsequent Nebraska drive to, uh, to seal the win. But um, well, not only that, I believe Martinez had 
cross the first down line before he was stripped yeah. of that by Brad Hawkins. Yeah. Michigan was not stopping Nebraska in that second half um, unless Nebraska was shooting itself in the foot, which it likes to do. But that it felt like it was sliding towards the Huskers. Um, yeah, great play by Brad Hawkins. And you know, a lesser team loses that game, and we look back at, back at this season – you know, who knows what happens in the in the remaining games, but pretty safe to say that they probably don't compete for a Big Ten championship or make the playoff if they lose that game. Um, and it was one of a handful of really gritty, impressive road wins on the season. Like going into Camp Randall, I mean, granted it wasn't a vintage Wisconsin team, but you know, beating them pretty handily, that was that was a huge win for the program. Um, Nebraska is a game that the team I thought showed a lot of heart in a tough environment. And then, um, you know, the Penn State game, which I think you're about to talk about here in a second, uh, you know, that was another great win. Um, so it went beyond the Ohio State game. I think most people probably forgot that that Taylor Martinez fumble happened and forgot how that game unfolded. But it kind of goes to show looking back how thin the margins are sometimes. Absolutely. And uh, yes, as you foreshadowed, my moment comes up next. It is Eric all uh, beating Penn state on a mesh concept crossing route uh, about, I don't know, 50 ish yards, 48. I think um, I'm watching the gif instead of actually looking at the uh, official, how many yards it was. Uh, but to, not only to see, I mean, first of all, Michigan was down 17, 14 against uh Penn State team that had their issues this season, but was ultimately pretty good. And, uh, you know, tough game on the road, uh, second and 10, Michigan driving a little bit, but that's really in all likelihood their last opportunity to really win this game. And for it to happen on a play call that really just beautifully works and for it to be a play call that has worked so many dang times against Michigan the last however many years, uh, it was that that was um, before we had the ultimate catharsis of the Ohio State game. That was a pretty cathartic play, I felt like. Um, but Connor, you you have uh, ultimate catharsis in your domain. Yeah. So actually, uh, my true favorite moment of the season was Aiden Hutchinson being the Heisman runner up. Uh, well deserved <laughs> because he was clearly the best player in the country and they won't give it to a defensive guy. No, um, actually, the it was, you know, the game that led that led to that happening uh, was the Ohio State game, which you guys were all kind of creative. Uh, some might say hipster about uh, not picking that game, but um, I'm just going to keep it simple. When Hassan Haskins hurdled and I honestly should look up which defensive back that was. Um, but he'd been hurdling guys all year. He'd been hurdling guys his entire career. Had the one spectacular play in the Nebraska game um, and several other really fun ones. But uh, just to like, on a, on a drive that turned out to be game ceiling, you know, in the snow, in the big house, in the most cathartic game any of us can remember, um, to just leap over a Buckeyes defender <laughs> and, and have that be the punctuation for his career and Cameron for, Brown, who's from Michigan. It was, it was Cameron Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was later? Was he the one that er, earlier had ripped off? Oh, no, he's not from Michigan. Moment. That was Google fooling me. Sorry. He's from Missouri. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, like it, that was uh, Haskins is also from Missouri. Interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what can you say about that? Like, I think we all had the exact same feeling at the exact same moment, which is um, you know, not only did Michigan win that game, uh, it wasn't like a Royal beatdown, but it was a convincing win that was very far from being fluky. And I think that that play was one of the plays that 
really sealed that for me. And um, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to be that happy about a single sporting event ever again for as long as I live. So thank you for that, Hassan Haskins. It's going to take a, a national title win to top it, and even that might not do it. That's a, it was a really rare, rare game in terms of having uh, just so many things come together. Um, to kind of help cover for the fact that uh, we avoided the Ohio State game for the most part, and also it, it's been a really good season. I'm just going to go through. I I posted that we were that I just asked people to pick a favorite moment on Twitter, um, and got a number of responses that we didn't cover, uh, including Josh Ross's uh, tackle for loss on third and two against Ohio State in the first drive of the second half. Um, that one was from at producer keeper zero. Um, Alex's dad agreed with me that uh, <laughs> the, the Eric all play, which I'd posted as a gif in there uh, was uh, his favorite play of the year. Um, Shout out to Lee Cook. He was in Happy Valley for that game, so that must have been awesome. That's, yeah, pretty fantastic. And uh, I won't even attempt to pronounce this handle, but um, someone just tagged me with um, the uh, screen cap of Michigan's entire offensive line and uh, a couple other players um, running over to confront uh, the Ohio State player who uh, committed a personal foul against Roman Wilson by ripping his helmet off. And uh, I don't know whether he thought he was starting a scuffle or what, but um, only Michigan showed up to the fight, which was uh, pretty great. And also, uh, if I am being totally honest, that is my favorite moment of the season. Um, from Hoover Street Rag, uh, he said, in the moment, Vincent Gray's stick on uh, Chris Olave to keep him short of the sticks. There was so much in that one loaded moment. Um, in retrospect, because he didn't know until after the game, um, Jake Moody taking the hit of smelling salts before drilling the game winner against Nebraska. Also a pretty fantastic moment. Uh, let's see. We've got the Haskins hurdle in the Nebraska game. Uh, just being mentioned as his most impressive hurdle because he kept running. And also it was a very exciting game. Uh, and also that, that hurdle probably the most important. There are a lot of, a lot of Haskins hurdles were kind of like, um, like uh, I don't know icing on the cake sort of thing like mm. sort of like fun to watch but not a, like that one actually if he doesn't make that hurdle they maybe don't, don't kick a field goal there and uh maybe don't win that game so definitely the absolute most uh necessary hurdle that haskins had in his career yeah, yeah so he sh- gained like 30 yards after hurdling that guy it's pretty impressive yeah so shout out to at jordan roth um for uh mentioning that one because that was uh but I've forgotten about that play, to be honest. I've uh, forgotten about a few in here. Uh, at Stacy Patton, 89, mentions the Donovan Edwards touchdown pass to Roman Wilson in the Big Ten championship game, which was uh, phenomenal. That got mentioned a couple times in here. Um, the Haskins hurdle against Ohio State. Um, uh, Alex Lasher mentions was um, when, quote unquote, I truly believe they were going to pull it off and my soul left my body, which is a nice uh, description of that play. Um from at the real C underscore Max, Eric all making cry baby gestures at Ohio State fans during the game. Those were after at least two, possibly like four of Hassan Haskins touchdowns. They were wonderful. Um, let's see. Um, in the non Ohio State division from at your pile J, um, Mays out actually working for the first time in history. <laughs> uh, fair. And uh, the jump around at Wisconsin. Um, he said both of those were moments where you could start feeling this season was different somehow. Um, let's see. Uh, 
from at more Pete Cornelius Johnson sliding catch in the snow. It's when it was obvious Michigan could and should beat Ohio state. Um, we have got from at Sean Tina's, um, the YouTube video of the pump it up seven nation army back to back, being played during the Ohio state game and how freaking loud it was in there. Um, we'll give seven nation army a pass for that one because it, it, it was just super loud and awesome. Um, we have a mention for the uh, Hassan Haskins untouched touchdown, um, which uh, at GRP, you're going to have to be more specific. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, the defense coming up huge following the strip sack by Penn State and Happy Valley um, from at Go Blue Z06. That is a good one. Um, someone mentioned Andrew Anthony's first touchdown in East Lansing. Um, thanks. <laughs> it was, it was, was i mean i guess play. so yeah that was awesome <laughs> it, was, it was fun at the time the, not uh, not my favorite play of the season for sure no <laughs> and the uh, only loss <laughs> let's see uh from at takao yamade um this one's actually really great um he said and bittersweet um when ojabo stacks stroud and i knew we won my dad, with whom I shared Michigan fandom and 35 years of season tickets, passed away in August, and the profound mix of joy and sadness was overwhelming. It's the happiest sadness I've ever been. I'll always remember that. I imagine that yeah, would hit pretty uh, directly in the feels there. Um, let's see. The JJ throw against Ohio State, followed by the Cade McNamara flea flicker. That sequence was the first time I believed. That's from at Cliff Legend. Um the from at wise tender snob the first jj mcnamara throw jj mccarthy sorry throw to dalen baldwin in week one the past year had been just hell in many ways i was doubting i was going to let myself be positive and then that bomb happened and i decided to go full bill walton mode as a fan the whole season's felt that way a joyous surprise second hearing the students singing mr brightside ascended into a new tier of michigan joy one i didn't know i had um Last one is from at C Faller 96. Uh, Cade McNamara's Nebraska post game interview. You know, the one that was one I raised my eyebrows and thought maybe these guys are different. No, it's not a sports highlight. I don't care. Uh, it's pretty incredible to get through all of that. And uh, first of all, I don't think we had, we, someone responded to me with the screen cap of Aiden Hutchinson, Hutchinson and Jim Harbaugh after uh, the Ohio State game as it was running out. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but otherwise, we, we didn't get an Aiden Hutchinson play mentioned. Um, so I'll throw out, uh, which team was it where he just absolutely demolished a, in either the third or fourth down where like it, the guy like ran into him and it looked like a car accident? I, I cannot recall which game it was, but um, I can picture the play other than the opposing team's uniforms. But anyway, Aiden Hutchinson had many really spectacular plays this year, and none of them made that pretty extensive list, uh, which probably tells you that this was a pretty damn good year. And now I think we got to move on to discussing football's future, which begins with discussing, I guess, our optimism that Jim Harbaugh is going to stay because um, I think we're pretty optimistic that Jim Harbaugh is going to stay. But I mean, obviously it's a little bit up in the air as of the time that we're recording. And um, as we, as we've 
said earlier in this show, if Michigan has to go with, say, Josh Caddis um, as a replacement or somebody on the current staff, I mean, they've got plenty of young up-and-coming coaches on there. That was very much the focus last year. And the hope is that, I mean, at the very least, you have an interesting kind of trial candidate who's going to be able to continue what has been built into a pretty strong program and a very strong recruiting program. So I don't know. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm shockingly tranquil about the Harbaugh situation and how it might impact uh, the team's future. Um, which may sound incredibly silly in a few years, but I'm willing to be there right now. Yeah, I think no matter who's coaching next year's team, like with that schedule and with the, unless there's like an exodus, assuming that Jim leaves, um, with that schedule and that talent, you're looking at nine or 10 wins pretty easily. So, you know, if he does decide to take the Raiders job or go to the pros, um, I, whoever's next is going to sustain it at least for a little while. I personally would would probably prefer that they look outside of house. You know, Josh Gaddis has only been a coordinator for two full seasons. Um, you know, Mike Hart's never been a head coach. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, there have been, you know, success stories with that internal promotion route and Notre Dame went in that direction. So I wouldn't rule it out necessarily, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, right. Yeah. That I, it's not necessarily, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that they keep Jim. It's not necessarily that I don't think Gaddis or Hart would be a good coach, but I think Michigan could attract a pretty good um, candidate from from outside. I know that there's a uh, up-and-comer at Iowa State that some people are excited about. <laughs> What's this guy's name, Alex? I haven't heard of him. I've uh, um, never talked about him before. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I, it's not important. It's not important at all. It's like Coach Chowder or something. <laughs> I don't do <laughs> um, we're actually I, talking I, about Dave Aranda. <laughs> I have a little bit of like a, a cold, a relatively cold water take, which is I do think it's really important that Jim stays, and, I, and it looks like he will. But I think it's quite important just because, um, as much as we all know, and like the national guys will confirm this, right? National analysts will say like, obviously Michigan can make a top tier hire. Like we all know that's the case. But um, I do think that like it is. There's an art to navigating like how many cooks you have in the kitchen in general in Michigan football, like between former players, um, you know, Michigan's general place in college football, the institution, which I will not go on a rant on. I'm not going to rant about it right now. I won't do it. But, you know, I mean, the, the discussion around Harbaugh right now is like, can he get, is he trying to lean on the university to get them to be serious about NIL? And I'm of the school of thought that says that's really important. Like you have to know how to lean on the institution for that kind of thing. You got to know how to do it right. or you are going to get fired quickly. So, you know, I mean, this is all the, the, the more optimistic way to say this is that I think Harbaugh is doing a tremendous job and is one of the few guys that I think can really, you know, do it at this level at Michigan in this current moment in college football. Um, that being said, you know, in a vacuum, the roster next year, I think is quite strong. Um, and most position groups either should either stay the same or ideally many might get better. So um, I feel great about the future. And I think if Jim comes back, you know, I think Michigan's path to contending for national championships, like people will talk their shit when you're like a clear third place team that's not like legitimately challenging for the title. But at the same time, I mean, just like we were always closer to being in this position when we were a top 10 team than blowing it up and becoming just a mere top 25 team and trying to claw our way back. When you're clearly the third best team in the country, you're a lot closer than your naysayers are going to claim that you are. So. 
Yeah, and I, I don't want to look too far ahead here because we're going to have plenty of time to go over this in the coming months. But I think the defense will take a little bit of a step back given who they're losing, but it should be the best offense Michigan's seen in a long time, maybe ever, with all the players that are returning. Yeah, and I mean, it, another thing that will get endless discussion is the quarterback situation, but having a five-star in your on your roster and emerging and flashing some pretty serious talent uh, already is uh, helpful in trying to, if, if you're looking to overcome a talent deficit to the Georgias and Alabamas of college football, the way to do it is to just have a transcendent quarterback. And maybe JJ McCarthy is that guy. Um, maybe he's not, but uh, we're going to at least get a chance to find out. And he's going to have a ton of skill talent to um, work with if uh, he's ultimately the guy. And Cade McNamara just got Michigan to a playoff. So the the floor is very high at that position. Yeah, Michigan has two quarterbacks that are better than pretty much any other quarterback in the Big Ten, save C.J. Stroud. So if we want to talk about, um, you know, where, like, where we see this program going long term, you know, I think that there's a couple different things that could happen, right? Like, they could pretty much stay where they've been at. Um, here with we're under Harbaugh, uh, you know, in, into, you know, the, the foreseeable future and which is sort of like, you know, competing with Ohio state every once in a while, um, winning the big 10 every once in a while, like pretty consistently winning like nine, 10, 11 games um, or, you know, like ascending to that next level. And I think there's two ways that, that could happen. Um, and that is either through uh, really upping the recruiting to the point where they're like recruiting on a, you know, maybe just like a, a Clemson-ish level more than like a, you know, which is like top top five or six more than, you know, top 10 to 15 where they've kind of been at. Um, or, you know, just keeping the talent that they generally have had um, and adding a generational quarterback. And I guess, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess like, you know, I'd, I'd want to get your guys' takes on that. Like what is like the, the most realistic chance Michigan has to uh, try to like ascend to that like, I don't know what the next level is like above, like, you know, the Michigan Notre Dame level, but I guess, I guess it's the Ohio state level, right? Cause they've really only won one national championship since the playoffs started. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, what, what's the path there? I think like the nice thing is I don't want to jinx anyone here, but like Michigan is in a position where they could get a series of really nice quarterback recruits, obviously starting with JJ McCarthy, who like could be that dude, like, how well he played against Georgia in the second half of that game. And he's got some stuff to work on. He's still a teenager, but like, you know, he has a chance to be that guy. I'm not saying that he definitely will be, but he has, he has the opportunity. And then, you know, if Michigan can land Dante Moore in 2023, who's maybe the best quarterback in that class and happens to be a Detroit kid with a lot of Michigan ties. And then you've got Lloyd Carr's grandson, um, you know, not long after that, who's supposed to you know be one of the best quarterbacks in the country in his class, though that's, you know, years out. Like, I think that, you know, Michigan's in a position where they can take a swing at some guys who like, if you took this same team and you gave this team Bryce young, and that's not to take, to talk shit about Cade McNamara or anything, but this exact same Michigan team with Bryce young. Yeah. I think they're in the mix for national championship for sure. Um, And that's, that's how I hope things play out. You know? Yeah. It's one of those situations where, I mean, you almost hope that you wish the timing of JJ McCarthy coming in had been a little bit, you know, couple years earlier so that he would have been fully formed or, or at least, you know, college level fully formed by the time that 
this roster came together, but given the way Michigan was recruiting, um, I mean, I think to get back to Dan's question, I, I think it is more likely to get to go that Clemson route than the Georgia route, just because the Georgia route requires so steadily putting up top three recruiting classes, not just top five, not just top 10, but you know, the very tip top level recruiting classes that, um, I don't know, having a certain kind of identity. And I think Michigan can to a certain level carve that out by being kind of the man Bali running team, um, which kind of feels a little silly that we've come back around to that being the identity that we sort of want. But um, I think Michigan has something there and can kind of, um, you know, how Clemson is sort of the like, uh, I don't know, the Southern Christian school, um, Michigan can be the Midwestern man ball, uh, somewhat academic inclined school, although hopefully they won't be emphasizing that too much actually on the recruiting trail because I like winning football games. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a path and it's just kind of a matter of things coming together. It's, it's going to be uh, probably contending more uh, once or twice every 10 years thing than, year in year out like Clemson and Georgia and quite possibly even Ohio state. But, uh, I think the, the level just below that is both one that they would be very happy to maintain and, uh, one that's pretty realistic with the way they're recruiting and with the level of quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh can bring in. I'm going to keep talking a little bit of shit about Ohio state, uh, because, you know, I I think Michigan can definitely get to the level that Ohio state has, has been at, since their last national championship where, you know, they were often head and shoulders over the rest of the big 10, partly because Michigan was relatively down. Um, but they, I mean, most of those Ohio state teams were not legitimate title contenders any more than this year's Michigan team was. Um, I think their best team might've been the 2019 team that fell short against Clemson in the semis. Um, that is, that's more attainable than like what Bama's doing or like, to be this year's Georgia team, which is just so loaded with talent that it's overwhelming. Um, I don't see that as completely unreasonable. I'm not saying it's going to happen or the most likely outcome, but I could see Michigan getting moving a lot closer to parity with Ohio State if certain things break their way. Um, <laughs> partly just because I don't think Ryan Day is a generational coach. So <laughs> you guys can uh, that's you guys can bring those that quote up later if we lose like if we do lose seventy to nothing to them next year, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I think Michigan could like become competitive with Ohio State over the long run, but I don't think that Michigan is going to be able to achieve the same level of dominance in the Big Ten that Ohio State has since 2014 when they well, won that title. No, I, agree. I think I it was agree with that. I, I just yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get what you guys are saying. I don't I don't think that uh Jim has the youth pastor vibes to pull off a Dabo Swinney type deal, but I think <laughs> he could maybe get a secular Michigan version of that. He's a, he's a um, Catholic Dabo. <laughs> he's a Catholic Dabo. Yeah. Can, can you explain to me the difference between Catholicism? And... Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, the, the number one thing you got to remember about uh, Martin Luther, Ma, uh, Lutheranism. <laughs> we're, we're, we're stopping that... there right now. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's get into some fixed theology. The, the fans love fixed theology. Religion. This is their, yeah. this is their, this is their favorite. never have named the episode is. title that. Yeah. Uh, me me trying to, like, to, uh, 
Fix ninety five cases. Because you're a, you're an Italian guy from the Philly suburbs. In my head, Canon, you played you played like high school football at a school called like Our Lady of the Incarnate Word. In fact, you went to public high school, but like that's that's what I always think of. Yeah, no, uh, I was actually Our Lady of Mount Carmel is uh, is the local Catholic high school. No, but I went to public school, um, like like every good uh, good wasp does. Um, yeah, Dan's a Lutheran. He's he's not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a heretic, or uh, but never mind. You can cut that. I'm not going to take any shot. My dad's Catholic, so I can't. Um, <laughs> and also, it's like it's the same, guys. It's the same. It's really it's very. It's, there's We're no. Still not cutting any of this. I don't. I don't want to go through the recording to cut this stuff out. There's so. just more stained glass windows in Catholic <laughs> churches. That's really the only difference. There it is. Yeah. We 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 finally solved religion. I but yeah. I, say, I like, can. I can speak to the same level of like existential dread in my um, Protestant dom- denomination too. <laughs> um, I to swing back away from religion. That is Thank you, Connor. <laughs> um, I just to clarify what I meant. I don't think Michigan's going to go on a run where they win the Big Ten like five times in a row, like Ohio State uh, does sometimes. Coward. It's more just that like I think they they can if they play their cards right and things break the right way they can continue to be a more effective thorn in Ohio state side and they could be, you know, the one, the one B or even, you know, if things go a certain way, the one a program in the big 10 for a while. And I think of the next decade, you should expect them not to win the big 10 title the majority of the time, or even necessarily half the time, but like, you know, over the course of a decade, multiple big 10 titles, multiple college football playoff appearances. And the hope is that you put together a team that's good enough to really make some noise in one of those appearances. I think that's a reasonable expectation for the 2020s for Michigan. Yeah. And if I could give a, sorry, I, I won't try to go too long here, but if I give like a little bit of a, I think if there's real upside to Michigan's program, I think it's that they have, first of all, there's more NFL talent on Michigan than there is on it. it Michigan's put more guys legitimately in the NFL than any program. That's not like those top three, Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama. Right. So they do a really, really good job of, of those like low four-star high three-star they do a really good job of identifying guys um, and then also down into just like the normal three-star range, identifying guys um, like, uh, like Quiddy Pae or, um, or Quiddy Pae. What? It's not Pae. What am I talking about? Um, or, you know, other guys that work that end up being diamonds in the rough uh, that, that can be contributors and also, you know, NFL level players. Um, so they have kind of like, that could be the niche that they carve out is being the team that like gets those high level recruits, but then also is able to like carve out enough non four and five stars um, NFL players that they're, you know, that can be a little bit of their X factor, Um, but also, and then, and then also like a way that they can continue to elevate their program status is I think where Ohio state and, and Alabama have definitely differentiated themselves is getting really elite receiver talent, which appears to be like the, I feel like that's kind of the next big thing is just, if you can have like a couple of two receivers that are like NFL level, there's really no one in college ball that can cover, you know, that can stop your offense. Um, and I think Michigan did a really good job in this current, you know, 2022 class recruiting receiver and, you know, could definitely up their talent level there. I like the guys they have, but I don't, I don't think, you know, Andrew Anthony, I think will be an NFL player, but the other guys like, fringe NFL players, like not necessarily game breakers. They don't have right? a George Pickens or a Jamison yeah, Williams to name exactly. the guys on each champion title. And it's team. not hard to get, it's not impossible to get some of those guys. Like, is it going to be Ohio state where they've got like three potential first round guys? Not necessarily, but you can get one or two over the course of a couple classes and that could really elevate their status. You know, 
obviously quarterback, like we, you know, we don't need to talk about that. Like Michigan is not, you know, Cade's great, but they have not had a generational or even NFL really level guy um, come through yet. Um, so like, there's a lot of ups. What I'm trying to say here is there's a lot of upside to explore because of, with all the success that Harbaugh had up until this year, he's pretty much done all of this without ever having a great offense. I mean, I think this offense, this year's offense was the best he's had and it was legitimately good, but I still would not say it was great. Like there was, no. there was room for it to be better for sure. You know, whether that's a, a, a better quarterback or, you know, more dominant wide receivers. Um, so I think like, that's where you look at it is like, okay, Michigan's done a really good job, you know, pumping out NFL talent that should help them on the recruiting trail. They're finally having, you know, some, some serious on-field success. Um, and then if they can continue to like develop those, those like middle three stars to low four stars, um, you know, above their, above, you know, their initial rankings, and then like just have consistently good offenses that's where the upside is for this program and I think it's like there's this is not you know a year like this might be the peak in terms of like what can ever be accomplished but they can certainly at the very least do this more consistently than they have for the first seven years of Harbaugh's tenure are you guys ready for a brutal segue speaking of upside left to explore we have to talk about the men's basketball team I mean, do we though? No. <laughs> I mean, only I, only yeah. very quickly. Not until they we play. Do, we do have to acknowledge it. We have to. There have been two games uh, since we last taped an episode. Um, an 85-71 loss to UCF, uh, who shot 11 for 27 for three. Um, and, uh, or sorry, 12 for 20 from three. Even worse. I was looking at the wrong column. Um, and then Michigan also lost at Rutgers 75 to 67 in a game that never felt that close. So um, Michigan has been hit with uh, pretty severe COVID issues. Uh, they basically have not had a bench uh, the last couple games. Uh, they then had the Michigan State game postponed uh, because um, they had also lost a starter and did not meet the minimum. Uh, I believe seven players are required uh to play in a game and uh they also had to cancel purdue on tuesday um that we we would have had to move this taping uh because it's tuesday um when the game would have been played uh so michigan is now um through their non-conference schedule they are seven and six uh one and two in the big ten and looking at a brutal uphill climb to make the NCAA tournament. And that's if they can squeeze in some makeup games in a schedule that's already tightly packed. So uh, Alex, how are you feeling about things? Uh, yeah, this team's not making the tournament. Nope. Sorry. Um, one and six against quad one and quad two so far going to be playing a compressed schedule with opportunities for quality wins. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I've gotten to the point where I'd almost rather think about think about football and where I'm not watching as much Big Ten basketball as I normally would be. Um, I think I'm going to be cheering for my NBA fantasy team and you know checking out the Wolverines here and there. But I will strongly um, encourage you all to watch the women's basketball team and also the hockey team, uh, which I'm watching and not writing about because I need something for myself. Yes, yes, there are some winter Wolverines who are having some success. The Lady Soups team and the uh, hockey team are both what top 10 right now 
the women's basketball team just slipped out of the top 10 because they dropped a game to Nebraska where yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska caught game. fire from beyond yeah. the arc, but bounced back in a big way against Rutgers and they're number 11 right now. So not far out. Uh, the hockey team, I believe, is either number four or number five, depending on which poll you looked at, because they just swept uh, UMass over the weekend and they were last year's national champion. Yeah. I didn't I watch those both games, those... so I can't break it down. But Dan, apparently you did. So I let's did. Hear it. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, let's do this hockey. Um, yeah. Uh, I I don't know anything about hockey. Um, I mean, I know how I know the rules generally, right? Uh, but I'm not like a longtime hockey fan. But even I could tell they were dumb. I watched both those games. Um, nothing really else on. Uh, and they they pretty they pretty easily dominated. Um, they they controlled the puck against UMass, who I'm told is you know supposed to be it's their top ten team, pretty good. Um, and I'm, I'm being, I am led to believe that they did this without two of their top players that appear to, I think are in like world juniors or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of their players might be going to, uh, the Olympics. Now the NHL has pulled out, so that's going to be a whole thing, but this seems like a team that legitimately, you know, should have national title, um, uh, aspirations, you know, of course the national, the, the tournament in hockey is super weird because, it's like single elimination, which is kind of crap for hockey, but you know, it's a random um, number generator. Yeah. Right. But this is a very good team and um, they're really fun to watch. So I, I encourage you to do so. There are uh, most of their games are just on the normal big 10 network. Now. I, I think Dan actually just brought up hockey for the first time ever so that we could delay the, the part where we talk about how I won the picks this year, but um, <laughs> I was I'll, let, I'll let you go that. off King. Uh, <laughs> All right. We're, we'll get to it. Our picks uh, segment, even though we're not actually picking things this week, we're just going to recap our uh, mostly good actually um, just ignore what we did uh, two weeks ago. Um, our picks are brought to you by points, bet. download the points, bet app and use the code promo code bucket prob to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets to get that bonus. You must use the promo code bucket prob. That is bucket P R O B all one word. Please gamble responsibly set limits, avoid chasing losses, never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800 gambler, man, I'm getting better at that ad read. Um, bowl picks. Um, this ended up being the decider in what was uh, a relatively close season-long race, in which uh, I'm happy to say we all finished uh, at least three games above 500 uh, over the course of the season, and that was only because Alex picked uh, uh, significantly fewer games than the rest of us. We'll get this figured out better for next year. Uh, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants in this uh, initial season. But um, for bowl picks, uh, Connor led the way going 6-2-1. and one. I went 5-4-0 and oh because I picked the over in Michigan-Georgia instead of picking Michigan, and that hit by half a point, folks. Um, Dan went 4-3-1 and one because he uh, abstained from picking Iowa-Kentucky, and uh, Alex went 4-5-0. and oh. um, So that brought us to a final tally of, on the season. Uh, Connor went 47-34-4. So if you were fo following Connor's picks, uh, you did well this year. You did pretty darn well. Um, same can be said for pretty much any of us. Uh, Dan, 45, 38, and four. To, um, and uh, Dan and I can fight about win percentages here because I finished 44, 37, and three. Um, and then Alex uh, was 31, 28, and three, as mentioned earlier. Um, he made fewer picks than the rest of us. So uh, congratulations, Connor. Do you want to talk some shit right now? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the closest I'll ever get <laughs> yes. to feeling like Aiden Hutchinson, who's clearly <laughs> the best co- player in college football this year. Um, honestly, like, here, here's my big secret, everyone, and this is this might undercut the whole segment, but I actually, I've said this before, I don't actually bet money on these games, and I think that's kind of the key to, like, why I won, because I don't overthink it. My actual serious advice for picking games would be to, like, follow things loosely and then go with the vibes of the matchup, because that's what I do, and it seemed to work pretty well this year. I'm not against gambling. I'm just saying that, like, if you're going to bet money, try not to overthink it. Keep the units responsible. Is that a good message, Ace? (laughs) I will uh, second the keep the units responsible part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just meant don't overthink. I'm just saying. At a certain Um, point, there is something to be said for not overthinking it. Um, Like, I do want to say, I feel like, yeah. I feel like our pick record is buoyed by the fact that uh, Michigan went 11 and two or 11 and three, I guess, against the spread this year. So like kind of, we all picked them a lot and we all yeah. got a lot of, uh, a lot of easy points for that I one. I think but... Connor got on that the earliest of all of us. Yeah. I picked them literally every time. The spread. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was unwilling to believe for a while. And I think that ultimately made the difference this year. So yeah, we'll see if, uh, now, now that Michigan has made a playoff and uh, isn't coming off a two and four season, uh, it might not be as easy to pick at some lines against uh, um, the likes of Indiana next year without uh, assuming some more risk. Um, we're not going to talk about uh, our props picks from two years ago, two weeks ago, heading into the semifinal. Might as well be two years ago, um, except to mention that if you uh, followed Dan's advice on his favorite prop for exactly five touchdowns at plus 350, congratulations, you hit something. And uh, unfortunately, I cannot extend those congratulations to Dan because he didn't bet his favorite prop. (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, This is more for fun. Uh, And uh, yeah, I screwed up. (laughs) Exactly. I I did know I had utmost confidence. um, And I this was this was based on many spreadsheets, uh, complicated lookups and index matches and formulas. Um, It was Yeah, no, you should always listen to me. My I I don't think I, I have very good betting advice. Um, And I I, I actually don't agree with I think you should bet as much as you can. um, Because here's the thing you when you when you bet more money, you can, it's Vegas doesn't want you to know that you can just bet a hundred thousand dollars on the game. And they, if you win, they have to give you that money. Um, that's a, it's a little cheat code. You can bet more and win more. Um, it's, it's really easy. Um, uh, the bucket problem. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do 30 that. Seconds. You shouldn't gamble. Look, you should assume, you should assume that any money you put into gambling is lost. Um, that's, that's the right, uh, it's, it's something you can do for fun. Don't do it to try to actually make money. Unless you're hey, our listeners money. should just prepare themselves for when next season, when we introduce our own crypto coin. We're releasing um, NFTs, uh, Bucket Problem NFTs. Um, we're going to have, watch this space, some really cool stuff going on. <laughs> and they're literally all just Dan's tweets about Michigan State. So <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> They're all, we're, yeah, they're, they're all like uh, quote teats of Paul Fanson. Um, and you could own my tweets. Um, yeah. You could is uh, is of... Cedar Coin available? <laughs> Probably, yes. The tagline's going to be uh, you can own Dan's work. You can own Dan just as much as Rocky Lombardi does. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you. I did not think we were going to get a Rocky Lombardi mention in this podcast. Oh, we gotta. I mean, you know, he's. You're talking about Mac Champion Rocky Lombardi, by the way. Yeah, it's a, it's actually uh, father of this podcast. I don't know if you're yeah. reading it, but uh, yeah. 
It's uh, Rocky Lombardi and Paul Fanson are our parents. Um, that's that's the genesis of this podcast. Don't ask how it works. Yeah, um, you got to listen an hour and a half in to find out that Rocky Lombardi <laughs> actually has the controlling stake of the uh, bucket problem. So just oh. a little fun fact for you. Home yeah. Field Apparel is just a front for big Rocky Lombardi. That's... <laughs> We're doing everything we can to get him invited to the uh, NFL combine as we speak. Uh, and uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're involved in the NFL combine, invite Rocky Lombardi. We have no ulterior motive for saying that, except uh, that we're funded by him. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's our show. Now that we've gone entirely off the rails, uh, follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter. And the podcast, yes, I am writing again. I took last week off because I was sick. I'm still a little sick, but uh, I'm feeling better. So hopefully it's not COVID. Um, rate, review, and use the promo code BucketProblem at uh, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. And uh, thank you for listening. Have a great week.